unfortunately, I have to reread that because I forgot to unmute myself. I'm still learning how to be a competent showrunner. What I opened with was, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson, Declaration of Independence, July 2nd, 1776. Gentlemen, welcome to our July 4th special. I am very excited about this. I got to talk about three of my favorite July 4th traditional movies that I that I watch around this time. And uh, we just get to talk about freedom and, and engage in one of our most sacred rights, uh, the freedom of speech, which is one of the uh, points that this show is all about. One of the whole reasons we started this was to circulate idea discussion. Uh, my name is Petey York. I'm, of course, joined by Corion, our witch in residence, and, of course, Pollo Zapatos, a.k.a. John. Gentlemen, who's ready to talk about the greatest day in mankind's history? I know I am. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute. Speaking as, as the non-American in the room, that would be Treason Day? Oh, yeah, right. Yes, if you're if you hail from the loser colony across the pond. No, I'm just kidding. That was years ago, and, and it's only treason if you lose. Ah, fair. And of fair. course, a uh, happy late Canada yeah. Day or Canada Thank Day you. to all the Canadians. Thank you. The day where we uh, all collaboratively uh, get together and celebrate the fact that we took all our hatred and anger and, and resentment and pushed it all into a goose and then let it fly away. Yes. And then wrote a constitution that was heavily derivative based off of ours. And so of also, course. John, what else? Uh, <laughs> no, we, we have... We have sh the shameless ball busting all around for everybody and to everybody. Absolutely. John, what about you? Are you excited to discuss yeah. uh, everything today? I'm very excited to discuss everything, even though I didn't watch everything. Well, but I'll see if I can sell you I, on 1776. I, I love 1776. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hyped about July 4th and 1776. For me, there's, you know, a little bit of personal heritage from the Marine Corps attributed and for Parker and I, there's even family heritage in terms of uh, the Maddox taking in the um, the Delaware, uh, George Washington at Delaware. Uh, they slept on Christmas. They slept in our uh, family home, I guess. Um, but other than that, I mean, I've been studying American history for as long as I can remember, and I, I. I love everything that 1776 and July 4th stand for, in essence. Uh, and that's something that I can't really say about any other day, now that I really think about it. I can't name another day in history where its essence still can be wholly respected. Well, and, and that is yeah, pretty and, interesting. And I'm not going to make this, this political, but I mean, I do think that Independence Day 2, uh, a.k.a. Juneteenth, is also worth acknowledging and, and is, a, is an, an important part of American history. And when we finally became, I would argue, a, a, a fully free country, which then lasted a whole 50 years. But that's a discussion for another time. However, we do want to acknowledge well, that this day I, is just as important as, as, you know, Juneteenth is just as important as, as Independence Day 1. Juneteenth. And that to me, Juneteenth is actually like, that's what makes it so disappointing is its essence is it truly is the actual day of freedom for the human being in yep. terms of you are born, you are free. And that's what Juneteenth is supposed to represent. And instead America hid it from itself. Yeah. 
and it would be nice part to, of its essence. Yeah, and and really both the you know the issues of Juneteenth should have been settled in 1776, and unfortunately they weren't. And at the same time, though, that doesn't mean that we negate either holiday at all. I believe I would like to see, yeah. and this is just me, yeah. I would like to yeah. see it eventually become a two week long celebration that we start with Juneteenth and then we finish with July 4th and it's two weeks of fireworks and barbecues and and two weeks of that that should be our mandatory vacation in the, in the United States now is from Juneteenth to July 4th is freedom week and unless you're in a, work in a hospital or a gas station no working but you know that's that's just an idea I think I'd like to see it eventually get to that point because I think both holidays are, are worth celebrating especially since they're yeah. so close to yeah, each other that's actually a wonderful point that would be an awesome you know solid celebration and it would be something that actually rallies people to get together for a whole week and remember where they came from you can two weeks yeah for two weeks you can talk about history you can talk about where you want to go you can talk about where you really are let's just be americans again yeah it'd be super cool to like have like a block party say on juneteenth and end it on july 4th with a whole bunch of fireworks and you know uh showing your love for the country by blowing up a small part of it always always that's that's, especially like if you're gonna take on the american thing that's where you host a summer football league for a two-week pro game that's where you host like you throw in sports around it you make it this big thing talking about freedom because I think that a lot of people, even like just living in America their whole lives, they're like, yeah, we always talk about freedom, but are we really that free? Because like when we go to work, we sacrifice our freedom for money. When we, you know, go to church, we sacrifice our freedom for spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is that is something that we something need to discuss nice on another show. Unfortunately. Relaxing. Yeah. Now it's time to dive into our pop culture escapism, starting with one of my favorite and yes, historically inaccurate movies, The Patriot. Corion, why is The Patriot the greatest movie ever made? Ah, uh, well, I would disagree with that uh, on the basis of we still have Independence Day to cover. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so no more of that. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. It's so easy to just. <laughs> that, I just. That, no, that was good. Yeah, it was I perfect. Know. Um. <laughs> But yeah, no, look, honestly, um, you know, The Patriot's a solid movie. Like, you know, every once in a while, they, they defrost Mel Gibson and put him in a role that, that makes it work. Um, you know, the dynamics of having a family kind of thrust into the middle of a massive section of American history and getting to examine it from that perspective of, hey, this is a family that was just living, you know, in the colonies doing their thing and the world suddenly came up and grabbed them and made them part of a very centrally focused you know very important section of of the war and i think that's a fantastic way to to humanize the events of history um which i feel is something that you know history classes very rarely do is that they don't make it a personal story and i feel like this is one of the best ways to discuss that history, even if it's not totally accurate. Cause I mean, let's be honest. It's a Mel Gibson movie. Um, you know, Mel Gibson movies, uh, are not exactly known for their most amazing historical accuracy. Uh, I'm looking at you, Braveheart. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the biggest offender in my opinion, <laughs> but you know, look, it, it's an important story to tell if in only for the legend that is around that. And, a general idea of what life would have been like. I mean, man, can you imagine being in a situation where 
yeah, you're fighting. And you know that there's a good possibility you could die here. But then your son getting pulled in as well. And how willing are you to, to allow that to happen, right? What are you willing to give for the potential future of a of a nascent country, right? Yeah. What is your family willing to give? These are good, important questions to be asking. And they do a very good job of showing those. So I think it's a great movie. Yeah, and, and that's why the historical fiction aspect of it doesn't bother me because it does a very good job. This is not a movie that you're supposed to watch as a historian and go, oh, well, that's not accurate. Well, that's not, I, I mean, you can, if you're talking about the aspects and the set decoration, the costumes, whatever. But if you're talking about the character, the character, it's historical fiction. And it's historical fiction that's designed to put you, the viewer, in in the place of the main character. And you're supposed to basically experience an idea of what it was like to be in and so it the story does borrow elements from different families experiences and puts them together and that's that's really the whole point of the movie is to is to get you to experience what life was like in that era and to go through that era and to be see what being a part of the militia was it's not a conventional army it's it's a bunch of farmers with guns and that's why I give it high praise is because it does a good job of, of really capturing the, the intensity and the feel of of this and, and getting the stakes across is really it just it does a great job overall. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you consider that modern day, we would call what they were doing, not a militia, but like a guerrilla force. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, to to put it in in, you know, context. These are guys that are coming up with tactics that, I mean, they literally had to write a new book of tactics for situations like this because they, th this stuff was unheard of at that time. Nobody was doing what they were doing, but they were desperate. They were ingenious. And, you know, I, I really do think it shows exactly what, what heights Americans are uh -huh. capable of getting to when they, you know, are determined, <laughs> which is an awesome thing to be able to say. That's one of the most interesting things, I like, issues that I have with this movie and movies like this is it actually wasn't unknown. Guerrilla warfare and uh, insurgency has been going on forever. The difference is is that for in different parts of the world they were able to like wipe it down and clean it up, and the the amount of armed forces that were also uh citizens and also like part of the team i think that the thing that made america really different and that you know in this movie depicts it i think in the most genuine sense is it was a fight for actual land not like a lot of people think about america as fighting for a nation and an idea of freedom and stuff like that but like in this movie we see an actual human being being messed with by other human beings and they're trying to control his property and he's not gonna have it. And that's like, that's the most normal fight in human history. Don't mess with my stuff. And this, the big difference being with what America did differently is, no, don't mess with his stuff either. Like it's his stuff, I'm protecting it too though. And I think that all was born in the 1600s with Bacon's Rebellion when the slave revolt uh, in Virginia actually banded all the lower class of the society and they all revolted against the Virginia coloner, or colonists 
um, and governors, and that literally led to modern day slavery as we know it. But it also led to modern day insurgency that like, if you and I agree to protect our land, it doesn't matter who comes, we're going to protect this land. And from there, it, it, did, it did breed many books. Like, I mean, everything that happened in Iraq and Afghanistan was brought on by what we learned in 1776 in the Revolutionary War. But it wasn't necessarily unheard of. It was just on, it was, it was mostly just like nobody believed it would ever work. Like, oh, yeah. you really think you're going to convince a bunch of random people you've only met at church to join up and fight the entire army of Britain? The sun doesn't set on their army. Are you really going to rally together? That's not going to happen. And then it did. And that that's the part that's unbelievable is it worked. Well, yeah. And, and there's another, you know, uh, the movie that will be on the back half of this show that we'll get into that really shows a lot of the, the political ramifications behind it. And I think it does so in a little, in a, just probably the best way that you could expect, honestly. But we'll get into that later. Uh, but Corion, it sounds like you had a thought. Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I do get what you're saying in that, um, you know, some of these tactics were kind of used before, but none of them were really codified like the American, the initial American colonial militia did, right? They they yeah. actually sat down and went, okay, we need a new style of warfare that we can, you know, we need to the create minute, yeah, the, that's the, the manual for example. asymmetrical warfare, basically. Yeah, and there's yeah, and that's, they came up with the Minutemen, and the Minutemen were the ones that had their gun at their front door, ready to put on their boots and run at the sound of any. And that, like, that, yeah, that, I give you that. That is definitely wholly revolutionized and ingenious. Came up with during the uh, revolution. Yeah, well, and, and that scene where legitimately posted guards in their own houses yeah and the scene where where uh where benjamin martin goes and speaks to cornwallis directly that that really illustrates the fact that that the british empire was running on tactics that just weren't going to to work anymore because the idea of warfare was that it was a gentleman's game now that we just line our troops up and we march them against each other and and that's you know you don't shoot officers because they're protected for some reason and that was that was the agreed upon standard for warfare, and that's why uh, th that whole scene really shows the ingenuity that Corion's speaking about. The fact that he said, "Oh yeah, we have our you know they have our officers, and then they go and retrieve them, and they're scarecrows." And that's just one of the examples of the American ingenuity that started to come about in warfare because they realized, "What this is war? What? Why do we have to play fair? We don't have to play fair. We're trying to win," and that's. What yeah, and I mean, like, but... we, we can get really deep into the, the whole previous tactics of it and dealing with the fact that, like, these are cultures that had a nobility class that had rules in terms of, okay, well, only the nobles can hurt the nobles and the right. peasants can just fight it out, right? Which is like what they want right now. Well, I mean, you know, that that's kind of... That part of the game, Oops. I don't know if it ever has really changed, but... um. The, the break my neck still, agreeing with you yeah but the the point is like that's where the the rules were coming from and the americans are sitting there going kind of well you know we, we don't have any knights here so why do we really care if you know sir whoever of wherever um 
you know, gets captured or killed or what have you, because we're all just dudes doing the best we can with what we've got. That's actually a really good point because they also didn't have lords. Like, lords owned, like, New York was owned. Hey, Maria, T and Telly, welcome. Hey. Uh, The uh, lords, like, they owned New York, right? Like, New York was named after the Lord of York. Mm-hmm. And he would just change out his governors, but he didn't have time to take the six month journey to travel to America and check on his land and his like constituents. Instead, he had governors and like they would trade them out. So, like, they literally killed America's relationship with nobility by never actually establishing nobility in yeah. America. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that that kind of in a lot of interesting ways speaks to how America got founded in the first place because you could have an equal society when everybody started equal right you you can yeah. it, it's a lot harder to have an equal society when there were people that were considered by everyone to be their their social betters for lack of a better term right um it's very different when you don't have that. And I think that's yeah. one of the the amazingly unique things that led to the creation of the United States is you actually had a society where everyone could consider themselves equal. Or if not everybody, yeah. a predominant amount of people could consider themselves equal to everybody else. And really well, what and they wanted just... was a fair shake for everyone. And I think that contributes a great deal to it. And that's a yeah, good thing. Yeah, and not just... Not just you know everybody gets a fair shake at 18 you're born with that fair shake right out the gate like everybody's supposed to be born sovereign that we are our own independent nations in and of ourselves we are all kings and queens of our own lands yes our own lives but it, uh, it just back to that idea of us not having nobility for a sec i think it's a wild thing because if you think about it when it's god save the king or god save the queen suddenly god and king and god and queen start to become the same thing and so like when america is you know spending all this time trying not to maintain hubris for man because god's supposed to be in charge right so if the king basically feels like another god you're worshiping that also leads to cultural disillusionment like that it starts to fragment because most people born in America never got to make the trip back to Britain to go see the king. And the king wasn't taking parades. Like like when the king parades through London for an hour that like everybody can see that. And he just walked, what, 20 blocks from his house? No. You know, but when the king can't. Well, I got to see the king. I got to see the king now. Right, but that's the crazy part is because like a lot of these generals and knights and officers, they're all like, I got to see the king. I've talked to the king. I know he's a good king. Like, I shared an old death with me the king. That. Yeah. I, I've been to <laughs> the parties where he's been in. Yeah. Star presence. Uh, <laughs> just a bunch of elitism nonsense that I don't get. Well, yeah. well, it's like, it's funny because it's, it's, we call it elitism, but like if you think about it, in, in some cases, there is, has been stories of kings that were worthy of fellowship. Like some yes, kings absolutely. led their people to prosperity. And so, in that instance, like that's what everybody's banking on is it may not be this king, but his son or his grandson <laughs> or his granddaughter. And that's the game they're playing. Whereas, like, America was like, well, we're playing that game too, and we don't even get to meet the guy. 
Yeah. And that's where it really started to dissolve everything. And that that really paints the Patriot more as a movie about like, why isn't everybody else doing this? Because that's kind of something I've always questioned is what took like, why was it America that finally was the one that was like, no, all people are free because France and England, they like France and Britain didn't want to free all of their people. They still wanted them subjects to their crowns. And yet America was like, no, we're abolishing the crown altogether. We're done. Well, and it, it now, especially having this conversation, it makes more cultural sense you why their culture could not handle. You said you're studying history. And if you really want to understand who one of the driving forces behind it is, I would study John Adams. In fact, we could probably do a, a whole segment on that mm-hmm. show, Adams, uh, with Paul Giamatti. And and uh, I mean, if, if he's... And especially watching 1776 again, I, you never realize just how much of an, an important, like a lot of what we have today can pretty much be traced to John Adams. But we'll get into that later. I keep getting to, I just want to talk about the musical, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the Patriot, like I said, so I want to start with the Patriot, though, because this is the nitty gritty. This is the, you're the audience placed in 1776. You're... Uh, you're experiencing what it's like to be part of the Continental Army, part of the, you know, when you're going, uh, living vicariously through Benjamin Martin's son who joined the Continental Army, or Benjamin Martin, the militia side of the army, or uh, his uh, future wife and all the stuff that she went through. And I know there's a lot of looking through it through rose-tinted glasses, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. However, it's it's important to acknowledge it without diminishing the idea because the idea that's there what that's where i would disagree with you i don't think this movie was rose tinted glasses it was 100 (laughs) percent. like there were some really dirty scenes that the americans did to the british and everybody can wholly acknowledge that it was not this clean there like it wasn't a side of good versus evil it was very much a side of some people think they know it's best for others and other people are in charge and people are going to die. And the movie, like, it's rated R. Even though, like, yeah, it does make America look good in the grand scheme, it also makes America look like what America's always looked like, one hour away from everybody going complete savage on the establishment. Corian, what do you think? think That's not roasting the glasses. Well, okay. I you think, think it romanticizes history a little too much. I think it does at times, I, I don't, but I don't think it's without reason. I here's what I would say. I think it romanticizes history, but I don't think it does it too much. Right. I yes. think it does make it um it makes it more palatable for a modern audience to be able to see it and go, Okay, I get that. I get why these times are important. It, it's the spoonful of sugar to help the history go down. Right? Um which I don't necessarily have a problem with. If anything, I hope, I really hope it encourages people to actually read the real history, to actually sit down and, and yeah. go, okay, you know, yeah, I got a, I got a, a, a taste of it. Now I want to see what, what was really going on. Because I feel like a society well-versed in its history is a society that's going to do well in the future. Even if you accept, like, look, some parts of history are not great. There's a lot of dark deeds that have been done by the people that came before us. But 
when you can put that into context and you realize the necessity of what they were doing and that chances are they didn't like doing it, but they knew they needed to do it because that was the options they had on the table because of a whole lot of other factors that were completely out of their control. I think it humanizes history a lot more. And I think when we have a human understanding of where we came from, we can better gauge where we should be going. And the, and the stuff that they do put in there that's, that's very romanticized doesn't bother me because that's, that should be the idea that we strive for. That should be what we want. That's the society that we want to have. You know, yeah, they probably wouldn't necessarily be buddies with the, with the former slave who earned his freedom. But at the same time, the, the whole point of the scene is like, this is what should have been, this is what they should have been pushing for when it came to fighting for freedom. And, you know, well, as see, we see... That's, in- a, that's a misconception, is that they actually would. That's why I brought up Bacon's Rebellion, is because Bacon's Rebellion was the first time that the slaves or the indentured servitudes, indentured servants as they were all known prior to Bacon's Rebellion, the indentured servants revolted against the masters on the tobacco farms of Virginia. And it was black and white people together. Post Bacon's Rebellion, the governors of Virginia for the first time ever in the history of ever wrote down that black people were subservient to white people under Virginia law. So for the first time in writing, the difference was delineated by skin color. Before that, it was indentured servitude. You sold yourself to somebody. And obviously, if you if we know anything about the slave trade, the selling yourself was more you were captured and taken. But it used to be white people could be slaves, but they changed the rule post Bacon's Rebellion. So in that scene in the Patriot where they are buddy buddy with a freed slave, most normal never owning slave owning white people they didn't really have a problem but that's where the problem started was post bacon's rebellion and from there we get what we've known now know as modern day racism but it's all sourced at that legalized segregation by the color dehumanization yeah exactly well yeah it was it was considered they were considered subhuman under the law which that's over the irish too Right. Well, no, that's the th- that that's where they changed it. The Irish were put one step above. And yeah. like that's where the hierarchy of races came from was the post uh Bacon's Rebellion legislation passed yep. by the governors yep. of Virginia that were also under the crown because this Cause was 16 because it's easier to control people if you can separate them into different classes especially based on something so stupid. Yep. Well it, well, it was their their big thing was it was labor. Like they needed their products made, yeah. and they, they it was very much a, the idea that like and like this is where modern day slavery took its also worst turn because prior to this, indentured servitude was a lot like joining the military. You would go stay in somebody else's bunkhouse until you earned enough to buy your own land, and that was part of your service was doing the things to earn your keep around the property until you like they would pay you pennies on the dollar obviously but you would do it for a certain number of years and that's how you would get to america for free right because you didn't have any money but you knew you could get there and if you could work there and build contacts you could grow and build the whole life so fine i'll sell my life for five years but then after this we change slavery altogether and that's where we get modern day slavery that's where we get literally the only justification for putting black people in chains was 
because we need free work. So you think the scene in the Patriot? Gonna... So you think the scene in the Patriot where where he earns us freedom like that was a callback to Bacon's Rebellion? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, the revolution in and of itself is a callback to Bacon's Rebellion. Bacon's Rebellion was the very first version of 1776. And in that light, the relationship with the freed slave is the same because they are literally fighting for the same thing. Oh, you yeah. got your freedom? That's what we're trying to get. Because indentured servitude is everybody under the crown. Everybody under the crown belongs to the king. And then, and like I said, so all these little things, all these little laws, all these little pieces of paper that started all these hierarchies, before this, everybody that wasn't nobility felt some form of servitude to the nobility. Yeah, and, and I, that's I do why think so. when they like meet up, they get it. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's entirely possible because, I mean, let's be honest, when everybody's more focused on survival, which is what the early, early colonial period is, it tends to bring people, even people that you wouldn't normally associate being friendly with each other, brings people together, right? When you're all in that kind of a little bit desperate to make sure that, you know, there's food on the table that's going to last through winter. Everybody starts being as friendly as possible, even if you don't necessarily, even in under normal circumstances, you wouldn't necessarily hang out with that person. Now, you know, if they can hunt and they're, they've got a good hunting spot that they're willing to share. I'm sorry, man. They're your best friend now, you know, like that's, yeah, and, that's and what it, it boils it's down very to. much camaraderie under suffering. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's really my point is like, there was a long period where they everybody was partially a slave because they belonged to a crown and because of that it's hard for us to imagine but in like 1776 prior to america there was no american that had any problem understanding the difference between freedom and citizenship it, because everybody was under some form of slavery uh, it was just different degrees and those degrees, you know, were defined earlier. But also another point to yours, carry on. That was another thing about America that also made it interesting is these like a lot of the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, John Locke, Thomas Jefferson, they all spent time studying their history and they all came to the same conclusion. Man is being held back by man and they're allowing themselves to be held back by a man. All we have to do is declare that we're not doing that anymore and then prove that we'll never listen again. Because this is very much a sense, it's it why I bring up Bacon's Rebellion. It's, that was a time where they made the same conclusion. They're like, we're literally working for this guy who is getting paid to sit in charge of us by this guy in Britain owns all of these lands and he gets all of the money from all of our work and he's never once visited us one time and we're still getting bad rations and we're getting extra hours and we're getting no sleep and we're getting physically abused at work and they were just like no we're, we're not doing that anymore and then what, america they work for the Coast Guard? Whole, did the same thing <laughs> well dude that's the problem is like if, if the coast guard wasn't regulated like that's, that's why even people in the, uh, the British Army, they were willing to just turn right away. I mean, George Washington was, a, I want to say, a lieutenant in the British Army, and he had helped in right. the French-Indian Wars, right, before 
saying, no, I'm joining the Continental and now I'm leading the Continental. Like the amount of separation from I work for this guy or I work for that guy, that it, it literally was on the table for everybody. And that that's what really like bred this. And it was all because they were writing and talking and also never seeing the nobility. Like when you say, screw the king, but he comes on every single night to tell you how great you are, how much he loves your country, what you're doing for your country, how much you've helped the country. It's like really hard for you to be like, yeah, but he's he's a nice guy. He keeps telling us every day we're doing good. Like, obviously, yeah, so, did you, so did you not watch the TV? We, the king loves us. So yeah. what you're saying Go is the difference between Canada and U.S., right? Like, we're the child that they liked. And, you know, then there's you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, no, we're the rebellious older brother who doesn't care. Canada is, the amount of resources weren't as available. Like, they were literally fighting for farmable land in a place that had never been farmed by their standards. We understand the actual nomadic relationship that the Native Americans had with the land. They were literally farming the whole time. They were just doing it in conjunction with their ecosystem. Well, and I think oh, yeah, that no, also no, no. depends I, on And I joke around. I joke around, too, right? Uh, you know. <laughs> hey, but. only I'm allowed to bust balls here because I'm that insecure. Oh, no. no, no, no. I'm, not, I'm not trying to kill the joke. I just, there's so many pieces to this oh, history yeah. that I've started to learn and love. And now that I've finally, like, started listening to all of the stories, like, I bring up the Native American thing because, like, the thing that they think about the reason why America has so many trees and it's so dense is because the Native Americans remain nomadic. They never had time to blaze over any land and, you know, start messing it up. And so the trees were able to grow bigger and more vibrant and everywhere and produce bigger and better fruit, different and more diverse fruit and vegetables and stuff like that. And it was all just because they walked. Well, and a, and a lot of that, yeah, still. yeah, and that was their culture was was they just moved around wherever they they felt they needed to and just lived off. They literally lived off the land. A lot of those different tribes, but, you know, just we, culture. We should good definitely party, acknowledge right? that that was not the entire, like, not every Native American tribe was even close to the same. The Seminole Indians in Washington, they actually never moved. They were basically spending their entire time on the river, eating the fruits and vegetables of the trees. And they, like my favorite celebration I've ever heard, the richest person in the tribe was forced to host a party and then let everybody break his favorite pottery. See, what you're talking about (laughs) right now is exactly what's wrong with our education system. Because I'm enjoying this discussion and this this history about the different particulars of certain uh, of all the native tribes. That's something that I think, especially in the United States, would be more beneficial as an education instead of, you know, whether or not I'm good with calculus. I, I mean, this is the other issue that, that, you know, this is why we also talk about this well, movie. Well, you can thank the space race special. for that. Yeah, it's, it's the fact that, that how much of a better education would it be learning from your local tribes that, that live in your area or that occupy your area. I mean, how much more valuable would that have been time spent to actually go to a reservation, learn how that particular culture was, and then maybe go and spread out and see some of the other different tribes in the areas. I mean, how much better of an educate, how much more enlightened well, of a person do you think you'd be? Well, I mean, okay. Not, I, I come, my family's all from Austria and I'm, 
the way they teach history in Europe is vastly different than the way they do it here. Um, mm-hmm. In where I'm from, history is part of every block, right? My f- my family's home in in Austria is two houses down from where the last wolf in Europe supposedly was shot, right? So when you're walking around in a world where they they you know where you're fed that history where you're fed the oh this is where you know like i've been to the road where franz ferdinand was shot right i've been to the this is where you know like this castle did this at this period of time and that's what they were involved in you know my family has a history with the siege of vienna um which is incidentally where you get the croissant from, right? So yeah, really cool story there. But anyway, the point is in Europe, they live the history where, you know, the education part of it is really just kind of codifying it, putting it into context. Whereas here you have to teach the history and then try to put it into context. Well, and I, and I found running around Colonial Williamsburg to basically do exactly what you're saying right now. Like, I didn't get a real comprehension of colonial times until I was visiting where these events took place. And that's when it started to feel more real to me. Yeah. And I I think that is one thing that I would love to see all of North America, especially the United States, do is try to make history more of a living, breathing thing that follows you around and and kind of gives you context for what you're seeing. Because I feel like a lot of... I find it funny that you guys are asking for history from Native Americans. I I think what we could actually gain to learn is how to respect the land. Because they did it perfectly so much so that we wanted all of it. For thousands of years, they were just making this place the most desirable place in the world. And then we came in and we swept it. Literally every good thing about it is getting... Don't include me in that nonsense. I didn't do anything. Yeah, like straight up. Our ancestors would be more uh, Yeah. Like, dude, my family came here in the 50s. No, I think we 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 should take the L because of the history. Because... If we think about it, a lot of the things that freedom and Independence Day really taught us is it didn't teach us to hate Britain. Like, I don't remember watching The Patriot and being like, I got to go find a British guy to go beat up. <laughs> but like when you watch movies about Normandy. We got a British witch on this show we can beat up. <laughs> if you watch movies about... uh uh, Vietnam and stuff like that you get a little bit of like cultural like I need to back my culture up even like for no reason it's not like I ever fought in Vietnam I never went there right I never fought the Nazis I, they don't exist near me as far as my life is concerned that being said this movie doesn't motivate me to fight for America this movie motivates me to be that kind of father the one that will stand up for his land and it, it makes me want to see, it, and that's that's the whole idea. It, but actually, like, learn how to cultivate it and and curate it and mandate it because, like, what America really teaches us more than anything is it's on us, the people, to make this the best world we've ever lived in. That's what not the, the government, about. not not exactly. papers, not worlds. It is literally individuals taking personal responsibility, and also 
being vehement that they own the responsibility because when you declare independence you can't just be like all right like like the scene from michael scott that's like my favorite every time i say the declaration of independence all i think about is michael scott yelling i declare bankruptcy <laughs> I mean, that's but i declared kind it. of what it was that's a start well, well he, no, so that is the start is, but you gotta back you file the paperwork too. yeah and they did though they did and file the paperwork did. yeah exactly and that and that's my point is, is is when you learn your history you still have to do something with it yeah it's, you have to apply it, it's still on you to make it better and that's really what the patriot is more an explanation of is like sure mel gibson's character we'd never see him take a history class we never see him attend a thomas jefferson lecture we never see him hanging out with ben frank but we can also understand that like he wasn't fighting for the American dream. He was fighting for some freedom to take care of his own land his way. And now in modern times, we talk about like Europe and stuff like that. There are landowners in Europe. That's because of America. There are landowners in Canada. That's because of America. There are landowners in Mexico because of America. Mexico exists because America stood up to Britain so Mexico could stand up to Spain. Like, freedom had to start somewhere. Yep. Now, that being said, obviously, we mucked it up a bit. We, you know, we tarnished and done some pretty messed up things to our own people for the sake of like, taking well, their freedoms we've I, taken again, freedoms from others again, i'm and, not taking responsibility for what a bunch history. of elitist assholes have tried to do to people throughout the world no. but yes and, you are and making that being about said, we should take responsibility for how much we can be what we the can Patriots. do to do better exactly fuck the system yeah. that is screwing our friends out of their freedoms yeah and i think and i think yeah. movies yeah. like this are a good place to start by learning a, enough about the history to want to explore it and then understand, hey, you know, this has been done before. It's needed now. You know, the United States is the leader in this game. It lets keep that flame of, you know, of freedom alive. And let's do that for the right reasons and for the ethical reasons. And, you know, let, let's bring it forward the best we can to the, you know, to the people that want it. Uh, you know, if if that's what you take away from a movie like The Patriot, then it's done its job. You know what I mean? Like, it's done its job in spades. Exactly. And that's why I say it's not so much of a romanticization. Is it, That period was grotesque. It was horrific. And some people, you know, may have turned out better than others. But at the end of the day, the thing that happened for everyone is the system was obliterated the kings and queens no longer mattered and it was official across the world yeah and that for the record Britain, the reason why we say that those times were dark and grotesque is because no amazon one day shipping just oh saying. my gosh right jeez where was where was bezos <laughs> and his penis legion when you needed them <laughs> transitioning now where to our next segment in a second we are going to take a quick quick word from our sponsor and that is cnc sutlery this broadcast is brought to you by cnc sutlery they provide all of your civil war era needs and uh probably soon be providing some revolutionary war era uh they also supply a lot of the 
Buffalo Soldier Regiments, as well as a lot of movie studios. They also are doing business and making connections with movie studios, which is why we're featuring them on this show, because they don't just sell you Civil War equipment. They are also putting on the costumes of characters that you see in movies, and as well as some upcoming projects that I can't talk about just yet that we will, of course, be covering on this show. However, until uh, until those movies come out, please feel free to check them out at ccsutlery.com. And uh, maybe there's some stuff you like. Uh, there's actually all kinds of other stuff. I'm even thinking of picking up some of the mess kits to add to my camping gear. Because uh, they've got a lot of cool mess kits. A lot of tin uh, cups and, and plates and just all this all this era-specific stuff that actually still works and functions like normal camping gear. Uh, and that's about all i got to say. Moving on now, of course, to Independence Day. Speaking of struggles where humanity had to unite to come together to de defeat the common enemy. In 1996, you guys might not have been aware, but aliens invaded. And when they invaded, uh, they destroyed a lot of our sacred monuments and uh, pretty much just wreaked havoc. Well, it wasn't until under the flag of America and freedom and the best movie speech of all time, I don't care if you think it's cheesy or not, uh, the world came together and managed to take a stand against this alien threat, and that's why we have freedoms today. Now, I'm just kidding. Independence Day didn't actually happen in our universe. It may have happened in another universe. But the idea of this movie is really something special, and it's really why I'm sad that... That's what they want you to think. It did happen. The aliens are real. We saw them. Thank you, Randy Quaid. What does disappoint me is, is how they followed up this movie with Independence Day Resurgence. I actually liked a lot of what they showed because what Resurgence opens up to is after they came together and fought for humanity, they showed that every single nation across the world, just because everyone was united, everyone still kept their national identity. And it was like, oh wow, it's like you can keep your identity and still have a common goal of freedom. What? It's like here in America, whenever someone decides to raise an Idaho flag in Idaho or a Cal wrong state texas flag in texas it doesn't mean that we stop being americans now you put a maple leaf in front of me oh, i'm just kidding maple leaf goes below then, the then american suddenly flag you're, then suddenly you're overwhelmed with how amazingly wonderful and free you really truly are dude i'm touched that's awesome yeah no definitely uh, except for five rounds uh <laughs> it's, but i bet you say it's more like a guideline hey, from I, that syrup I, I, trust you but, uh, Corey Owned, you put out a lovely video today about why you think Independence oh, you. Day is better than the Patriot, and I would like to, uh, give you the chance to, so I guess reiterate some of those thoughts. Unless, John, you're just eager to talk about ID4. I'll take your silence okay. as a no. no. <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, to me, this is one of my favorite popcorn flicks. Like, if I'm gonna sit down in an afternoon and be like, okay, I wanna watch some stuff blow up, and I wanna watch, you know the world be saved by Jeff Goldblum's power book. Like this is the way to go. Um, now my point is this, there was actually a really, I feel is probably the inspiration for this whole movie is there's this really great speech that Reagan gave to the UN where he says, you know, I, I wonder how quickly all of our problems or our differences would disappear in the face of an alien threat. And you know, He's right, because at the end of the day, you know, we all have our disagreements. We all have our fights. We can all disagree on stuff. But, you know, the truth of humanity is nobody gets to pick on humans except for other humans. That's the rule, right? You know, 
it's like being brothers, right? I mean, you know, somebody picks on your younger brother, they're going down regardless of whether you've said the exact same thing to your younger brother or not. Right? That's right. That, that's how it is. It. That's it. Only I'm allowed, right? And that's what I feel is a, the great part about Independence Day is we have those moments as people. And that's one of the things I think is great is we literally have a scenario here where there's this serious existential end of the world threat that we're all facing and what do we do we say you know what we have differences but they're on hold because we got a bigger problem now and i feel like that's like the message that i would love to see everyone take away from this movie is that you don't necessarily need that existential threat you don't necessarily need aliens invading to come together as brothers and realize hey you know that guy across the neighborhood the guy across the park hey even that guy you know uh just to the south of me here um he's my brother he's you know he's somebody that you know i care about that i respect so let's come together like hey you know like there's some sort of crazy threat to the world going on because one day there will be and if we don't foster those relationships now if we don't foster the the things that we need now when something does happen, when the Yellowstone caldera goes off or we get a crazy volcanic, volcanic eruption or whatever, who's going to be there to help us? Well, it's going to be it's going to be the people that we show that we care about and that we care about us. And that's, I think, the coolest thing about Independence Day is that spirit of togetherness, which, again, is one of those like uniquely American exports that I am so glad that the United States gives to the world. And that is what I will say is the the greatest thing that the United States has ever given us is the realization that we can all be brothers, we can all help each other, and that it doesn't matter where we can where we come from, so long as when there's an import when there's an urgency of it, we all come together under a common cause. Yeah, and I mean yeah, that's and, uh, I was just gonna jump in because it, it's it's a lot about community at scale, like. Like you said, like when it comes to like, like a hurricane, it, people in Idaho are going to have a lot harder time understanding what that community is going through in Louisiana. But at the same time, because we if we if we invest in our community here in Idaho, then suddenly we understand what it means to see our community struggle. And that allows us to be even bigger and you know step outside of our lack of suffering like oh i'm not suffering because they suffered in katrina but i would know what it would be like if i suffered and i can join that and that that's really it's an awesome point because community at scale like there are scales the scales exist the globe is always a global scale right and america is always the north american scale of you know its portion and canada is its own scale but these scales are still communities and there's still communities of individual human beings that need love and they need they need to not fear each other i i think that's one of the big things that independence day finally or not really finally but it really showed in such a beautiful way is that when we finally know what we're actually scared of we can deal with it but as it stands, like we're afraid of China because they're different than us. And we can list out all the ways, but China's afraid of America because they're different from us. Uh, like 
the fear is in and no. of themselves the cultures the Chinese government, the Chinese government fears fears Americans because of our individuality. Chinese people but, but absolutely assuming, love America and love the idea of America. That's assuming the the well, it's the fear. The fear is the more important part. The why can be whatever it is, but the fear part is the thing that makes these nations feel like they need to stand out differently. But in Independence Day. When the fear becomes wholly realized that the globe is at threat regardless of nationality, then we need to think regardless of nationality. And in that moment, we can band together. And that's what I mean is fear, like FDR said, fear itself is the thing we need to be afraid of. Because when we let fear guide us, we have no strength. But when we literally see our threat and we stand united despite knowing the odds we stand a bigger chance of handling it yeah and so if we express our fears what we're actually afraid of we have a bigger chance of making our computer commu computer community tighter and and more real and more you know growing together yeah and that's the thing about independence day is it really is an excellent movie that showcases american exceptionalism i mean first of all you have you have a lot of strong characters across the board every single character in this movie truly shines i mean will smith is an excellent father figure uh even to a son that isn't even his in the in the in the movie and then you have uh jasmine who seeing of herself is is quite an interesting character you know she's an exotic dancer but then when 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 things actually blow up and it's disaster time she's the one leading the charge to find survivors and it really shows a lot of what Corian's talking wife. about yeah but Corian's speaking up specifically in this movie that coming togetherness that stepping up that banding together that that her whole story arc is so awesome to watch not the most exciting in the movie that's not the point the point of that is to show oh look here's the civilian on the ground who isn't doesn't have the luxury of the u.s military to, to run to right away here she is instead of running to that she finds a truck she starts finding survivors she starts she's the reason that uh that yeah the president is able to say goodbye to his wife and that wouldn't happen if that if, if it mm -hmm. wasn't her for her so she's a really well-written character um, I mean, even take a look at uh, Jeff Goldblum's father's character, right? We're talking about a guy who literally winds up being the spiritual backbone of this show and trying to desperately keep people's morale up who are in very end-of-the-world doom-and-gloom kind of scenarios. And what is he in real life? He's a retiree living out in some brownstone in New York right that probably hasn't left his neighborhood in you know a couple of years but here he is in this situation well beyond his control and what does he do he rolls up his sleeves and tries to help people the, the only way he knows how yep that's you know like yeah. wow right pulls He's out still one of my favorite characters even in the second one he was oh, a yeah. great character just fun to follow and just like he never lost his cynicism and his nihilism like the world is always technically like in his head it's always at alien warfare it, it it's not some place of roses and daisies and everybody's like codified and working together instead like but at the same time he's complaining like even in those times of stress he's like ah the government will screw you out every time but we'll take care of you it's like 
he has overcome his nihilism with hope and you can see it in his actions despite his words still kind of being a cynic and it's really nice because like you don't have to be optimistic to be hopeful you don't have to show optimism in times of stress you just have to say no i know the good exists we'll get there when we get there that's it yeah, and then on top of that, I mean, the, the story itself is, is pretty basic and, and it's not super complicated, but it's just, this is an example of what a lot of writers writing current shows, a lot of big name IPs that we don't necessarily need to name specifics right now. Um, this is a movie that they need to start showing in, in writing classes because it doesn't just... Yes, the story's basic, but you know what? It doesn't need to be a complicated story. It's got good character writing. It's got good motivations. Everybody's motivations make perfect sense for their characters. Not no point do you look at this movie and go, why would you do that? Are you stupid? At least none that I can think of right now. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, bring well, in the alien there, from there the may have been a couple base. of scenes. Everybody knows that. Bringing the alien to the super secret base it may not have been the most ideal scenario. See, but see, yes that's where no. I think the writing did itself a major favor because if any American knows anything, it's that Area 51 may or may not have aliens. Oh, so yeah. if you are an American airman who has no relationship to Area 51, but you're fighting aliens, and you're over the Mojave Desert. What do you do? You give your mom a hug. Yeah, and uh, you. But that's legit just drag the alien to Area 51 where they should have the lab well, ready for all the other aliens. Well, and he didn't know that. He didn't know that the base was Area 51. He just, when he encounters the convoy, said, "No, I saw a military base when I was no, flying he... around." And he goes, "Well, oh, where is it? I don't right. see it on the map." Mm -hmm. And he goes, "Oh no, it's there." So he doesn't really. See, he doesn't go take it to Area 51 knowing it's Area 51. No. He takes it to the nearest military base because that's what he's supposed to as a soldier. You're supposed to report to the nearest, you know, he's doing his due I diligence. Feel like, no, I feel like he would have known it was Area 51 just because he would have known what desert he was flying over. That's See, the only thing that, I can think. But, he, but you were in the Marine Corps. I, really justify it. I mean, you were in the Marine Corps. You know, yeah. the, he probably didn't have a need to know that it was there. Um, but that's just, that's just speculation. I mean... We, we, we can, you know, uh, unless Will oh, Smith... Oh, no, actually, no, it does make sense now. Now, I've, Sorry, I, I actually can clear it up because I've watched enough videos about Area 51 at this point. I know for sure that there are semblances of a military base, but also in the most obscure places. Like, you'll see a fully functioning military-style runway and then nothing else. No hangers, no, like, so I guess, yeah, that would make sense that he saw the base, but didn't exactly know what part of the desert he was over, because it could have been 29 Palms. Right. Well, he didn't know exactly where he was when he crashed. Well, I, I will say this. Will Smith, if you're in the chat right now, please feel free to uh, let us know, and we will invite you onto the show, and we can discuss your character's motivations. Yeah. Uh, yeah, or even just let us know in the chat. We don't necessarily need you to jump on. We don't want to claim all your fame. Uh, well, but we I mean, will we kind of do. Things. But, you know. and we could, we could well, use we don't the viewership. We don't want his audience members 
to come in and distract him from the conversation he really wants to oh, have. So if he I, wants I to have it discreetly in the chat. Okay, he can, okay, well, he can we'll go with that. Maintain yes. an anonymity if he'd like. Yes, viewer posing as Will Smith. Anyway, uh, yes. <laughs> so, and that's just, but as I was saying, it, it was basic. Will's here, Will's here, Will's here. Basic story, uh, great, great character writing because it was more character driven and uh, the model work. Oh my gosh, oh, does it just stand up? Holy, you look at the garbage they've got cranking out of movies these days. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe should be ashamed of itself at this point because the, the, the use of practical effects and, and the fact that it's just, it still looks amazing. I mean, I get excited watching the blow up scenes because I still watch them and I'm just like, this is an impressive illusion that they managed to pull off. I mean, there's, there's, there hasn't been anything like it. That's been too bad because, well, the only other thing I can think of is Farce Awakens, uh, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, but go ahead, Corian. Uh, uh, I was going to say, yeah, when it comes to the effects, dude, some of the work that they must have put in on this and the fact that not only did they put in the, the work, but that they were like, let's build a scale model of the White House. Okay, let's set it on fire, <laughs> right? Like, you know, the... Talk about killing your babies, right? Like, holy cow, that's brutal. To like, you know, I'm going to build this, um, you know, up the, to this point. And then, you know, I'm going to explode it for, for one scene and hope I get it right because I don't want to spend another six weeks building this model again, right? That That's some dedication, right? Yep. The, the Empire State Building, the... the uh... Uh, the giant tower the in Los House. Angeles, the White House. Uh, can't think. I think that's Washington all of them that Monument. I think that one was. Yeah, I, I think those are the big ones. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they left pieces the of Lady Liberty lying around. They left right? pieces of Lady Liberty, and then uh, the the World Trade Center was standing up still too. I mean, it was in pieces, but you know, wasn't totally collapsed. Um. So yeah, I think a lot of the model work it, it truly stands out. A lot of the composite shots with the fighters and the and the, and yes, there is CG, but it's 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 particular. It's, it's not and it's used appropriately. Exactly, it's not used to tell the whole story. Uh, it's actually it's just part of just part of building the illusion, and I think it does a, a great job. Except for the last shot, the last shot where the mothership blows up is probably the weakest part as far as a visual effects go, because it was very obviously, okay, this is a computer generated effect. Maybe that's the best they could have done. I don't know. I, I, it, okay. One small error out of a movie that you could argue is pretty much uh, perfection. Because if you look at, if you really look at independence day on an objective level, yeah, like I said, it's not the most sophisticated plot line, but neither is star Wars episode four. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely got some cheese factor to it, but at the same time, it's like it's cheese factor that's that makes sense. This is this is a believable well, story. And I mean, like, let's that's be honest, it, it, point, it's H.G. Like, Wells' War of the World you... modernized, right? Right? Like that's what it is. Exactly. John has a point, but his kid has a counterpoint, so we'll let Dad take care Sorry. of what he needs to. Oh no, was... you're good. We we welcome families on this show. He's the he's taking over the host seat. Ah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't think we need Sorry, a baby in his go. underwear on camera. Thank you. Yeah. 
he's a boy. He's a shirtless man. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's weirdos that yeah. we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna attract the wrong audience with that. That's the we didn't. It's fair. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to attract that audience. <laughs> Dad mode activated. Yeah. Um, no. So what I was trying to say is, how much of the cheese do you feel now rewatching it versus when you first rewatch it? Like when you first watched it, because when I remember first watching it, which obviously wasn't the time that it came out, but when I first watched it, I was like, this is better than Star Wars in graphics because, you know, it had more action. So like there was nothing about it that was cheesy at release. It's cheesy now because everybody copied it. And that's actually really like a, an interesting like yeah, thought I about your point. So I put a video out on my channel. A lot of it worked literally yeah. or literary. I put a lot. I put a video out on my channel about it where uh, I basically I, I'm convinced that the movie has aged like like wine um, because it it's came out in an in, in the 90s. That time in the 90s. And Corey, you can correct me if I'm wrong here because you had a little bit more years on me. Um, that was like the era of blockbuster. That that was the 90. You had so much that I can't remember at this anymore because they those movies probably didn't age as well as they should have. Well, you know, well, you also had The Matrix come out three years later. You had... Yeah. Um, what I would say is this is when they got the formula for the blockbuster right. Like, the first okay. time, really, they got it right. But there were several attempts before then, but no one had gotten the formula to the point where people were like... No, now I need to to spend, you know, like I'm going to go see this two or three times, right? Like, this is the first time post Star Wars where people were really like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to sit. This is a summer must go to the movies and see it kind of thing. That that was the start of that 90s run of just cinema freaking perfection. Yeah, and and I mean. Well that's funny we call it you call it cinema perfection but how many times did you go and go ah i should have waited on for that one to come out honestly at that time i didn't you know really first, did you go you know, well how many times did you take a risk that's the question how many oh, movies did you think i, were I didn't bad? even see it as taking a risk i saw it as going and being part of the culture what you know when the first time i actually walked out of a movie was the first time I just got hmm. up and I'm like, no, you know what? I'm done. Which was uh, the third Transformers movie. That is hmm. the first time I've actually been like, I can't stand this. I'm so mad. That's surprising because I like the third one. Uh, you know what? Uh, and people can. I'm not saying that, uh, you know. Because I felt the time where it made you walk out. I felt it. They, I felt it rectified all the mistakes of the second movie, which is a just a giant pile of crap, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, the first Transformers, we could all agree, is the only real Transformers worth watching. I assume no, you're all of them to are. Have you seen how much the movie and the animated movies? Oh no! I thought you were talking about uh, Transformers. I thought you were talking about the third one, uh, the third Michael Bay movie. Oh, I am talking about the third Michael Bay movie, but when you say the one worth watching, oh, that's the '86. The one that live action hurts. Transformers worth watching is the first one. Live action, not not Dude, anime. Animated I, obviously is a different. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a different category. It doesn't matter, but I'm just I'm specifically th talking about the Michael Bay movies. Okay, it's really funny though that you bring that up because Michael Bay was the time when I finally realized 
the true difference in directors because before Michael Bay, all directors just seem like, well, you got to earn your stripes to be a director and you can direct anything because directors direct. But it wasn't until like people started being like, no, if you want a Michael Bay film, watch the explosions or, oh, this movie could have been better directed by Michael Bay because the explosions sucked. And so like with Transformers, that's kind of just what I started learning I was getting is I was getting a Chevy commercial or a GM General Motors commercial with explosions and the cars were actually robots. And that's it. Yeah, I wasn't see. like, I've never really gone in assuming, but that's like, I, I just think that's an interesting point. Like I, I didn't know that directors were different until Transformers and Michael Bay. And the fact that he could never maintain a through line to save his life, but oh, his explosions I, got better and his cars got hotter. Well, here, here's what I'm going to say. You guys know me as a nerd. When you guys mm, true, actually true. sit down and decide one day, okay, we're going to cover Transformers, I am going to horrify you all with my deep lore knowledge. Like, oh, to I'm the point huge, where it's like... That makes it sound I'm a huge Armada fan. I love Transformers. Yeah. Cool. Armada is a solid series. Um, but, like, I'm talking, like, be ready. Like, you know, like, you're, you're no, going to... be so much fun. Yeah, like... I would, yeah, that oof, should be next up for the big one. But uh, that being said, right? Like, look, that's the first time I actually walked out of a movie. The 90s, look, man, the best way I can describe it is it was a different age, right? Like, it, you know, we we were we were different people then is the only way I can describe it. Because, you know, the internet was this new crazy thing. So you weren't getting yeah, everybody's opinions on movies. The way you found out whether a movie was good or not was either you stayed up really late to watch Siskel and Ebert or you went and saw it yourself and made your own call. And then you like talked to the people that you hung out with and said like, yeah, this is solid or no, it isn't. And usually if you said something like, all right, I'm going to go see this new movie independence day. It's got like a weird grainy advertisement in the, uh, in the newspaper because yeah, that's how we were getting our info. But it looks like it could be kind of good based on the commercials. I'm going to go check it out. And somebody would go, yeah, I'll go with you. What the hell? And then the two of you would come back and you'd be like, guys, it sounds cheesy, but somebody took War of the Worlds and added America. So, like, check it out, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that that's what made it, right? And, I mean, that's how we address those back in the day. So, when something would come out in that specific slot in summer that you knew, like, look, we're watching this because it's going to be good because only the best stuff gets slotted into this particular spot in the summer. Everything else is in a holding pattern until then. You knew. It, like I said, it was just, it was a different time. It was a different era. You know, a more civilized age, shall we say. Well, yeah, and like I said, there, there was a bunch of other movies that, that came out that were probably better written at the time, more compelling, and, you know, it, it's just, it's it's not a cerebral movie, but that's that's the point. It's not meant to, to challenge your pre... Well, you know, maybe it is meant to challenge your precepts. Maybe it is meant to get you to think, you really need an alien invasion to get along with your neighbors. Well, no, that, you don't. That's it. Um, But here's what would happen bad, if you did. That I think is a fantastic point is is it, it 
challenges you to see how like what is the thing that's going to make you just automatically team up with every person you've ever met whether it's the drunk who can't take care of his kids or the prostitute stripper that you've never met but because you don't like strippers it just all strippers are bad like that that is a really good point is it really did show us that the difference between a good person and a bad person is in times of stress do they do good or they do bad and in this movie obviously we didn't see a lot of people doing a lot of like oh make sure to short change the market real quick oh look at world trade center is down let's get our money so like we didn't really see any bad humans right but we did see all of the people that humanity calls bad or the news calls bad we saw all of them show how good they can be and that that really like illustrates the don't judge your neighbor by their story you've seen so far just wait until you see something stressful and if they react appropriately start judging them on that like if you've never seen them in a bad situation don't assume they're going to react poorly just wait and if it never happens thank god if your life never gets to a point where you get attacked by aliens awesome but in the yeah. words of gandalf we don't get to choose when we're born these are the times we have it's up to us to do something with them yeah that that being said like you know i think that might be an interesting way to look at the world like every day that aliens aren't trying to uh take over the planet is a good day <laughs> might be an interesting way to look at the world right uh but somebody Didn't asked my ak what we... today was a good day right um somebody was asking about the movies that came out at around that time that was I me found the list okay so we have twister we have the rock i've seen that one like a hundred times the um, quite a few times yeah uh we have uh eraser the arnold schwarzenegger one are are you just doing 96 i just started seeing it on hulu but i haven't seen it uh well no this is like the summary kind of stuff okay um that came in around that time um we have uh hunchback of notre dame Ah, uh, yeah. Big deal. Um, Still talked about today. Yeah, we have uh, Demi Moore's uh, Striptease. I was a little young for that one, but yeah. Definitely, and, one, uh, definitely one that would distract from Independence Day. Yeah, and uh, Jim Carrey's The Cable Guy, which was arguably pretty terrible. That's oh my gosh, I've seen that movie like a hundred times. I love that movie. It's so funny. Okay. Yeah, judging by your shirt, I can see why. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but that's right. That was Shout my out to point. Hotbox Farm. Yeah, that was my point. With no, no, don't ever <laughs> do that again. Um, I we uh, that was my point though. Was that you had all this? You had the market saturated with all these other movies, and it, it's like you know, Independence Day comes out. It's an alien invasion movie. Some stuff blows up. And see, in the '90s, practical effects were the standard, thanks to Star Wars in the '70s that set the set the standard of oh yeah here's blowing up models and here's what it can look like so it it kind of came out a, a little ahead of its time because now since the early 2000s thank you matrix everybody's doing cg effects well independence day was one of the last movies to do practical effects and now it still stands out as a, a staple of blockbuster filmmaking because the effects you put this next to uh i'll i'll say it i'll say it you put this movie next to uh, Avengers Endgame, the effects in Independence Day are far better. I'm saying yep. it. 
There, there's no comparison. Nope. And, and it's and the characters. I'll even go so far. The characters are more likable in Independence Day than most of them. Some in of them. Game. Some of them. I'll give you. Eh. The, the problem with the Avengers movies is they is it, while I do like the first Avengers movie a lot, it 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 stands on context, and that's where well, I would, that's it. That's and that's where and that's why those movies aren't going to age too well because while some while some fans out there will be like, oh, I'm going to watch my you know sixty hours of Marvel movies, great, enjoy. That's just not for me. I like to be able to put in a movie, even one that's in a series, and not that I'll necessarily do it, but like Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. You don't need to watch episode four to get hyped to watch Empire Strikes Back. And just because you watch Empire Strikes Back, you don't need to watch episode six to feel like you got to finish it. Those three movies stand alone. And that's what yeah. Independence Day stands on its own. It didn't need a sequel. We, we got uh, subjected to one, but... It's a great movie in of itself and, and stands on its own merits perfectly fine. And I think that's yeah. why that's why it's aged so well is because it's it, yeah, it's a basic story, but the characters are all relatable on one form or another. You could pick anybody in the United States right now and sit them down to Independence Day. They're going to find at least one character that they would like and could feel that they can relate easily. I'd even argue that uh, not only that, but I think you could take you know, a lot of people from just about anywhere in the world and they would relate to one of those characters in some way, shape, or yeah. form. Yeah. Right? They're they're universal characters. There's a, a concept in cooking where you can make a simple dish, but if you're going to make it really good, right? Because you know, if if you make a simple dish and screw it up, you're definitely gonna catch more heat. Right? Um this is taking this is they made a simple a simple concept but they made it really well and it's, that's the point it's like taking macaroni and cheese craft macaroni and cheese and adding butter milk and beef kielbasa sausage to it it's yeah. still mac and cheese it's really good mac and cheese mm -hmm. um that's just that's that's how I took your analogy or you, you, you well, could you're insert, absolutely right that's the idea I, yeah my my big thought is I don't think this was a simple idea back in the time. One sec. Oh, I mean, I don't know about that, man. It, it, it's it's War of the Worlds, right? Like, we've had this story well, since the 1800s. Right, that, but what I mean is more of the idea that, yeah, like Alien Invasion, It's it wasn't new then, and it's not new now. But when it comes to how new it was in cinema and how new it was in terms of being done correctly in cinema. Like, I really feel like there was a time when this movie would have been considered a daunting task. And I think it was the time when it was written. Oh, it was. Like, I feel like this was one of those movies that even the EPs of the time were like, I don't think you can rally people behind a stripper and an airman. I don't think they're going to like a uh, child that this airman married into. Like, they want their military people to be military and tried and true and all this other stuff. You know, and you're instead, right. It like, takes like, some like, risks. That's what I mean. It's like, I really do feel like this movie took all of the risks for its time. And that's really why it stands out. Because, like, if you were to push this against, um, what's the other Arnold Schwarzenegger one that flopped right around the same time? 
Um, oh, and what, now it's considered really great. Not oh. Eraser. There's another one that was like right around it. It's now considered like one of the greatest movies on modern capitalist dystopia. But at the time when it was released, oh, it just flopped. Uh, Running Man? Is that Disaster Man? Running Man? Or the Running Man? I thought the Running Maybe. Man was 80s. The Running Man was 80s, but no, The I Running thought, Man is absolutely the most say, glorious movie to that Arnold Schwarzenegger is ever It's the one about like to. capitalism and uh, the police, like like privatized police force and all that stuff. That's like 50% of the movies in America. I don't think it was Running Man. I think it's Demolition Man. Oh, Demolition, Demolition Man. Man. Yeah, that was nice. You're thinking of Schwarzenegger. Uh, uh, you're thinking, you're thinking of Stallone. Of Stallone. Yes. Stallone. One of my, my favorite. Bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's a good example. Yes. That movie has aged like an even finer wine than Independence Day. And not just because it got its predictions movie, correct. But it, it's slowly becoming a slice of life is what it's slowly becoming. That's right? part of it. But it's also but, because it, 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 it predicted a lot of things very correctly and accurately is really part of it. But John, I think what's what's your thought on it? I, I think that's I think that's a misnomer. I don't think it predicted anything. I think it literally just hyperbolized the reality that the writer was living in. He look, just was look. like, "Well, I'm seeing the Rodney King riots. This is how police are acting. What would it be like 50 years from now if everything stayed exactly the same as we know it?" And so he just imagined it being worse. And that's the coincidence. Is like, yeah. oh, so Americans actually, are that dumb. People I've, are that dumb. I've actually caught uh, one of our mutual friends uh, watching on purpose ads from like, you know, the 70s and 80s when he grew up. Uh, they predicted Zoom meetings somehow. That that was impressive. Uh, and whether you guys want to admit it or not, Taco Bell has already won the franchise wars. It just hasn't been declared yet. So it's coming. Mm, and you know it's coming. up a good fight. It's, it, Taco Bell's the greatest. I, um, I will say Wendy's Twitter profile. It, yeah, it is, that's is what, what I mean. That, that's why I well, said, like, f- like, when it comes down to it, Taco Bell might get bought by Wendy's. You know what? If I can go to because the same store, if I can get a Wendy's Frosty and a Chalupa at the same place, I'm not going to complain. Okay. Uh, that's, Dude. that's, I can just dip that right Shout there. Shout out to Wendy's. Uh, I'm just going to say right now that if both of, uh, you know, if Taco Bell and Wendy's decides to sponsor this, we will do that on air. Oh, we yeah. will all be eating a chalupa frosty. frost. We will dip our a chalupas chalupa in frosty. frosties. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you Easy think I'm fat now, me, you just yeah, wait. <laughs> we get a and, we get a food and, sponsorship. And I, I I'm going to be a planet. And I honestly can't imagine a more American uh, dessert than that, man. That is that is that is so American. It's screaming eagle. You know, like so glory good. right there. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing so hard, my world's shaking. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, so Demolition great. Man, that's another one I'd like to do a special but, for uh, in the oh, few, yeah. very near well, future. That's, that's why I bring it up, though, is like Demolition Man, it called out society as we know it, but it was also talking to back then, which is kind of why it's really annoying, is like that guy could have wrote that movie today or yesterday, and it'd still be an applicable movie versus like independence day when it was written it it still doesn't apply right like the the only thing that's going to make independence day not work anymore is if the aliens show up and it is great they're the nicest thing that's ever existed they're they show up and they're like hey we're taking your leader and then they like 
change the White House into this open platform for discussion. Nobody dies. They start just reorganizing society in such a pleasant. Everybody gets a full mansion because they can auto build things with their technology. Like or no, they show up when he's smoking. Yeah, or they show up and they're all the Ferengi. They just show up to (laughs) sell us stuff. You know, like they're like, dude, yeah. Even yeah, they're just literal sellers. They're just like, oh, we noticed you guys finally built tech worth buying, so. Or, you know, no, no, they're just like planet to planet salesmen. Like, they show up and they're like trying to hawk space vacuums, right? Like, you know, like that kind of level of craziness, right? Or like, they're you know, not like, even selling anything like space tech. It's literally just a different version of Dyson that Dyson hasn't patented. Oh, yeah, yet. no, no, no. Like, they show up and it's Cutco. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it's, you know, or like space girl guide cookies or something like that. Like, that will be the way Independence Day fails, but like, you know, or like, yeah, sure, it's they just, come in, they they need to a bunch of children aliens trying to get their Girl Scout cookies, right? You know, or like, you know, yeah, like they show up, they take our leaders, and it turns out that they take our leaders on like a nice vacation somewhere to, to a leadership you know, like seminar. The, yeah, to like a leadership seminar, uh, you know, on like some sort of like Rysian pleasure planet. Try to sell right? them they a timeshare there. Yeah, and they just come back a, and they're it, just it, in it, the it, best it, mood ever, right? Like, it's not no, a no, seminar. It's like it great, it's a right? it's a mandatory counseling. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like the officers of the universe are like, look, you've all been forced to finally a know that you're not alone in the universe and b start getting along. This is getting annoying. Like right, we like, like the reality television, but. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the script a has gone off the rails, bad. and we need to fix this a little. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> look, you guys that, were that doing a lot great. of great stuff in the '90s, but the 2000s area, you started pretending like you've never done anything wrong before, and yeah. well, let's talk. Yeah, real talk, bro. Real talk. You know. Oh, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> but like. <laughs> They're not even given uh, like it's not like a seminar like they meet all these other aliens in the galaxy. It's like they're all just trapped in a room and this like super intelligent human is giving them the class. And at the very end, they're like, oh, by the way, you were all abducted and your nations are terrified. Actually, I would love to see it phrased more like an intervention. It's like all the there's like seven or eight different <laughs> alien species that have come by and they're like, look guys, we're just we're really concerned about you. You know, like we're worried. Um, <laughs> that would be we, so we want you to know that there's help out there for you, right? Yeah. That that would just be so Dude, Petey, the you've best got part the next novel. That that is one hundred percent the next novel you need to write. Is humanity we is talked to Eisenhower. I don't know. It sounds like it just sounds we like talked a more- to Eisenhower after the nukes, and we thought you guys all got it, but it turns out we needed to pull you all in. Yeah, it sounds like a more complicated version of the day the Earth stood still. But you know, I, I could see where <laughs> I could see a potential story come out of this. It would be, but man, wouldn't that be a funny story? <laughs> oh, right. No, but it like, would be such a fantastic comedy, right? Like you just oh, make yeah. the president like the cast of The Office. Like you just make all the world presidents the cast of the office. Corral twenty twenty four. And then you make them, you make them stuck in some version of an alien chamber and like like severance, oh, no, no, no. It, but it's, it's be... literally just them figuring out how to fix their nations. 
Oh no, it, it's gotta be like, like I said, it's gotta be like some sort of like crazy pleasure planet. Like they're on this island, they've been abducted to this like tropical island on this alien beach. Yes. Right? You know, because- And they're con- like, the American president's super hostile the whole time. Yeah, where, and meanwhile, like some other president is just like enjoying these, you know, alien space babes and trying to convince them that no, no, no. Love, you don't understand love. Let me teach you love, right? You know, like that kind of thing. And, you know, like, just Absolutely. have fun That'd with it. That'd be such like, a great one. Yeah. You know, it would, that would be this, so this is, funny. This would be the, the ultimate response movie to Independence Day. You know, the, the aliens not called, only like, yeah, it, it's, it's like Join Dependence us Day. Day. Independence Day. Independence right? Day, yes. <laughs> Oh, that's man. so good. I love it. Yeah, th- this needs to happen. Yep. Th- this. All right. So, all right. So I'll probably move on. Yeah. Clock is kind of. Let's get away Goldberg in here. Um, but uh, now on to my uh, what I was looking forward to this whole night. No, wait. I was looking forward to the entire broadcast. <laughs> that's why we did it. Uh, 1776 is a musical that. Uh, really just surprised me when I first watched it and watching it again last night uh, all the way through it th- this truly is something special in a lot of ways um not a conventional masterpiece by any means but a masterpiece in of itself for what it does it definitely feels like it's something older than from the 1970s uh, definitely comes off as as one of those classic movies that you would watch probably in like the the 50s or 60s um but it gives a very unique perspective on the arguments that the continental congress took place and you know honestly without the musical element i don't really know if this story could have been as successful as it was overall so, Corion, you're on the outside looking in. What did you think? And have you ever seen this one before, or was this your first time? So, this was my actual first time running through this. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is actually taking place during the Second Continental Congress. Yes. The one where, like, while, basically, while Washington is fighting his war, this is everyone deciding, well, what would a post-war... United, I, I post-war Americas look like, um, and a lot of it to me um, felt like for for a good long part of it, you know, everyone was just kind of dicking around and trying to, you know, not really get anywhere. And it's in those musical pieces because the best part of musical theater is whenever you hear a song in a in uh, a musical, it's always to express the emotion of the situation, and the thing I love about the musicals, like the musical numbers in this is everyone, everyone who sings is so passionate about their points and it comes through and you know, them coming through singing about just the, the things that, you know, we really need in this time and age now, even, and the questions they're posing about, what they want the world to look like in a world where they actually manage to pull this all together, which as my understanding of history goes, was not a guarantee exactly at this period in time. It was more of a, Oh, I hope this all comes together, but they're like, no, it's going to come together. 
we're going to have to figure out what we look like as a nation because we don't want to just descend into anarchy at the end of this. We need to come up with a, uh, a unifying front on how we're going to move forward. Yeah. And, you know, the, the leadership that emerges through that, I mean, I think it's a fantastic story. I think it was very well put together. And yeah, I think using the musical aspects of it as a device for allowing them to discuss the emotion of what they're experiencing in that time was a fantastic use of the musical elements there. Absolutely. And I, uh, I mean, Hannah said this last night and, and I'll just reiterate it. We want to see this one live now. Like if we get a chance to see an actual live performance of this. I, I'm very curious to see how, how that would look on a stage. Um, I mean, I think I could get an idea, but the thing is they, they, this is so, whereas Macbeth, I gave a lot of praise for being a stage show. This one, I give a lot of praise for actually taking the movie elements and applying them to the musical. Cause this doesn't feel like you're watching a recorded stage. This actually still feels like a cinematic feature. And admittedly, the first couple of music numbers are a bit, they do take a little bit of patience to get through, especially the, the one where Lee rides off to Virginia. That one, I felt like you could have just cut that one out completely and it wouldn't hurt the movie. Um, but it's not, once you get past that one, it's all uphill from there. It's all straight towards the sky. Um, the the entire storytelling of this uh, of this event, to me, like I said, I just don't think there was a way that you could have you could make uh, congressional meetings any more exciting. And that's what I think the whole point of this this story was was okay. How do we tell the story of the diplomatic part of it? The, the decision to declare independence. How do we get that story told? And I think this is what does a great job of, of doing it. So this would definitely, I would watch this, then I'd watch The Patriot if if I was to recommend a small introduction into American history, because this really captures the mood of Congress. This really captures the, you know, John Adams first, you know, you meet him at first and he's like, oh, they're deciding whether or not New Hampshire has to conform to the militia uniform codes. And he's like, seriously? This is the crap we're wasting time on. And you think you, you might watch it and go, there's no way they were this disorganized. And then you look at the American Congress right now today and you go and see some of the garbage bills that they try to propose these days. And it's like, really, this is what you think you were elected to do was was to push this stuff. And then and, and now it, it's like it's so easy to understand John Adams distaste for for what Congress was focused on, because the war had already technically started it just wasn't formalized yet. And that was the whole point of the Declaration of Independence was that was when it was finally formalized. Okay, we are we are going down this course. We are separating. We are done. But I think, and this is why, John, you've, you've got to make time to watch this because the, the, the whole... No, you've got to do it. Because the whole no, movie... No, it's funny because after Corian's remarks, I actually am definitely interested because, like... When people say you gotta watch something, I'm like, well, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. But when somebody describes something as emotions expressed in song, I'm like, oh, I kind of really want to hear those songs. Well, and here's the other thing, though, too, <laughs> is the musical actually, I feel, does an excellent job of humanizing these legends. It, it makes them more personable. It shows that while mm. these guys were brilliant men and understood history, they were still people. They were still human. 
Mm-hmm. That's what this 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 is. This is such a unique way to tell the story, but it's such a powerful way. Because uh, Corion, what did you think of the ending? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Right? Like you have yeah. all of these songs that that some of them get silly, and you have them joking about committing treason, and everybody's in a good mood. But it's the moment, that very end moment, where where the the guy goes and he rings the the Liberty Bell, and that as the the camera's zooming out. Like, this is it. This is everything that you just watched, everything that you've thought about history. This is the moment where it's about to get real. And that is why this movie is at least worth watching once is just for that ending scene because it's so... That was the moment where I fell in love with this story. Like, I was watching it with my wife and I was like, you know, this is pretty good. This has got a lot of dialogue and discourse about... How they want to go about declaring independence and then all the roadblocks that john adams had to try and, and john adams and everybody else who's in agreement with him had to go through it does a good job of giving us a, a young uh kind of more naive jefferson whereas jefferson comes off as very calculated in history because you know he was the third president of the united states this showed us young jefferson this showed us pre-presidential jefferson this is where we got to see the idealist Jefferson that I wish he had stayed true to throughout the rest of his life. And everything else that we get out of that. And then, like I said, it's that final moment where they're signing the document. And yeah, spoilers, John. They end by signing the document and declaring independence. Don't know if you know that. Uh, Wait, America actually decided to become a country? I know, right? I thought they <laughs> yeah. were gonna I thought they were gonna give up and accept British rule by the end. I thought for sure that was how this movie was gonna end. No. They, they solved the moral conundrum by servicing the king. Obviously, obviously, that's what we should. We should be grateful they even that's, had a that's king. That's what I remembered. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this too. Um, now we don't have exactly the deification like you guys have of your founding fathers, right? But what I loved about this was you really got the impression that these guys look. They they might have been lawyers. They might have been solicitors. They might have been this that or the other thing from kind of a a pretty broad range of walks of life like some of them were just farmers or whatever and they're sitting there going like holy crap we got to figure out how to make a country out of this hey john can you you toss your mic up please oh yeah thank you you know like we got to figure out how to how to not just decide we're going to be a nation but how to run one too and most of these guys had never done anything close to that and how could they have right This was a totally new concept in a lot of ways. So they're kind of sitting there going like, we can't just kind of go with whatever we want here. We got to come up with some, you know, we got to unify a little bit here. We got to come up with some consensus and we got to figure out a system that's going to work ultimately. Because at the end of the day, that's really what matters is we got to build a system that works. And you almost get through the subtext the, the almost minor panic attacks they must have been having about trying to make some of this mojo fly. Right? Like, yeah. Can you imagine being the guy that has to come up with an entire system of government and somebody, like, you know, like, you're in a group of dudes and they're like, yeah, uh, PD, listen, you're going to have to figure out the judiciary branch. Like, what that's going <laughs> to look like. Because we all agree we Not should have imagine. one. You have to, but now you've you got to figure, figure out, out how to make you have to figure out how to make a government that doesn't resemble any other government and abandons all of our known tenets of hierarchy. Yeah. Like, you know, and you got to figure out a way to make everybody equal in that system. Like, 
and you know oh and because the documents due in like three weeks because we got to get it to the printer you got three weeks go right like well i don't know about you but i'd probably be sitting there going like holy crap right like and that that comes across in this and that's very cool this is such a wild thought because like the time pressure didn't really have to do so much with you know meeting corporate deadlines it had to do with unifying these grassroots movements that are all happening at once and they need to be like the difference between 1776 and bacon's rebellion of 1672 is literally the codification that it is not a rebellion it is a declaration of independence a declaration of sovereignty and that's something that never happened before under a piece of paper before it was like i'm king leonidas of sparta and they're like i've never heard of sparta before and he's like well you're about to right that's a whole different approach to leading it's like why are you king well my dad was king and my daddy's dad was king and my daddy's 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 was king and that you know that was a universal reason is like there was one great leader his son's probably going to be a great leader hopefully it works for us you know and how much land does he have well all the land that he protects how much land does he protect all the land that his army can touch within reason which is why rome did such a great job you know codifying the world because rome decided why don't we make sure we can touch any of these areas at the same time via roads right and no other nation was making roads to unknown territory but america america was like okay why don't we take everything we've learned ever abandon all the things that have worked and try to make the things that we like about all the things we've ever learned work now without ever having to go back to those things because like america was at, at like they even america the founding fathers that people deify, deify i don't I, I never have i've never seen them as deities i've always seen them as fallible humans because like the founding fathers are well, the founding fathers are the ones that literally tried to crown George Washington King of America. Some of them. And it took King of America, George Washington, to go, I will never be declared king. Make a new word. President. And that's actually a split. Never existed before. Yeah. And that's a split. Uh, that's actually split. Because I believe Jefferson was against the... the I believe Jefferson was against the concept of an oligarch, but understood that that the body itself was necessary, but it needed restrictions. Mm. And that's where the Constitution comes. Well, no, so that was the point is it was, he wasn't supposed to be a monarch. Right. And he wasn't supposed to be an oligarch or a... Because, like, I think that's something we often forget. Like, Greek and Roman... Hold on, because I'm using this. Greek and Roman history... <laughs> existed m most of the time hold on because this is my book um i do want to double check that i don't remember if jefferson was the one to actually uh decline i know there were certain uh founding fathers that didn't want to call him your majesty but like that's the kind of issues that they were literally facing as as a nation trying to become a nation that had never existed even the word nation wasn't real back then it was city state a state is a group 
that defines its you know sovereignty its borders and then that state has nationhood but then that nationhood is because of a king of that state and so america was literally breaking every single known way to lead your people like if there's a book like how to win friends and influence people back then how to run a nation how to run a kingdom how to run a city state yeah. that was the name so, of the book and they were like yeah i don't think this works yeah so and all, the, all these it. all these political things that you're speaking on uh they go into depth on this in 1776 like this is why I'm impressed with it being a musical is because it's not it, it's like the most anti-musical musical that I've ever watched because it's not just about the musical numbers. There's long breaks, long breaks of just dry dialogue and it's good dialogue. It's a lot of what you're talking about right now. They have those arguments and they show that. And that's part of why I love this movie is because it's not just a musical yeah. about, oh, you're 1776, <laughs> oh, you know, sing some songs, America, F yeah, 4th of July. It's, this is how close we were to not being a nation. That's how much, now no, keep in mind, it's an, it's an abridged version. It's an abridged version of the events. So it's not like, you know, the way they portray it is very that's artistic. But so that's it, why I'm bringing this book in is the reason why I didn't want to watch it is I read this book, the 5,000 year leap. And it's about the 5,000 year difference between kings and queens and hunters and gatherers and agrarians. Yeah. Um, and how long it took for us to establish a nation. And so for me, when you talk about like how their moral quandaries existed, this book is literally mostly letters. It's mostly Thomas Jefferson. It's mostly John Adams. It's mostly George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, writing to each other as they were writing their sermons, as they were writing the Declaration of Independence. So for me to like watch a musical on that, it's just like rereading this book, which is their literal words and sentiments on top. And that's what like made me not really into it. But again, Corian's approach to describing it as emotion through song I'm like, okay, that's a different type of musical. Cause like, if they could make this book a song, I want to watch. That's, but like, I guess and that's, they did. that's the big reason why I joined this show is because like, I've always liked your opinions of things, Parker, but I feel like if you're suggesting something to somebody, you don't ever share your opinions. Like you'll be like, it's a great movie. I liked it. And you'd be like, why? And you'd be like, you have to go see. Trust me. I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to, I don't want you to go in. I know, with I know, exactly. But, but that's why I like this show. Yeah. Cause like our job is to kind of ruin it for people who need stuff ruined for them. Right. Because that's you know, what like I realized. Like, that's what I've. I didn't want to go back and watch it. Now I do. Now I feel bad that I didn't do my homework. I'm for the first time ever. I've never did. actually felt bad about doing homework <laughs> or about not doing homework. And now I'm suddenly like, oh man. I actually yeah. missed out. You got to Well, John, if I've made you feel bad, then I've done my job for Yeah. Today. No, and I'm I'm actually kind of <laughs> glad you did cuz I really Good. wanted you to watch this and and so it's it, and you'll see when you watch especially once you get to the end, you're going to just you're going to be blown away because of of how well that that ending is is set up throughout this entire it is it is worth the 2 hours and 40 minutes because it's just like I said, I fell in love with this at the very... I liked everything. I really enjoyed what it was. I was like, okay, I'm glad I watched this at least once. That ending hits. And I'm like, still, I still get chills just thinking about it. It is one of the most masterful ways that you could 
you could describe that moment because it's so bittersweet. The music is very just shit. It just got real. It's not after all some of the, you know, there's some of some of those songs are silly. Some of the stuff is is a bit overdone in my opinion, but it doesn't matter because at that point, once you hit that ending, you realize, oh, it was supposed to be a little over the top in some of these areas. It's supposed to give you this kind of, oh, you know, it's 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 a happy time, right? This is the founding of America and they're arguing, but, and I know it's an abridged story, but I mean, just the fact that the decision for independence came down to one, John Adams pushing for it, and two, um, uh, John Hancock being the deciding vote on a split decision to to give Jefferson time to write the declaration. If those two things didn't happen, no United States. And that's a very important thing to take from this movie because two people, two people decided they were the, were the reason that the decision to even consider declaring independence happened. So two people went against a crowd of people that kind of agreed with them and still were like, no, we have to take this to the end. This is not just a letter demanding respect from the king. No, this is, you know what? We're done with the king. We're putting our lives and on everybody, everybody except for two people were like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. So it's that. That, 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 I guess that, that explains to me why I've never seen our founding fathers as deities. Well, you it's should. Because they're even... Not. Well, yeah, exactly. Because even They're legends, but they're not. Supposedly perfect. prophets of American ideals couldn't even say they actually stood behind them for the most part. Two. Two had to stand against the crowd. And that is... That to me just shows them as heroes, the the human hero. When the crowd is wrong and you know why, and you can prove it, and you know that you have to stick by your guns, do you might found a nation. I I knew you know I should have invited my buddy Jason to to speak on this one because I'd like to get his thoughts on the representative of Connecticut since. Uh... <laughs> Since he's basically that guy in a lot of ways. Uh, Connecticut's always <laughs> drunk. Doesn't that just sound appropriate? Um, but anyway, overall, uh, this this movie is... is This musical is... Is it perfect? That depends on how you want to define perfect in this sense. This is definitely one of those situations where art is entirely subjective because it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's good. It's worth watching at least once. Um, I don't know if I'll do it every single year going forward, but definitely often enough because it's it's just, like I said, it's a good story. It's a good portrayal of those debates. And you just, you, oh my gosh, you get to that ending and you're like, okay, this was worth the journey. This was, this was to, to actually finally, like Patriot does a good job of putting you in there from the perspective of the civilian. From the perspective of the people that are fighting for independence, that are going to be fighting for independence, you know, you're the guy on the ground. They're more relatable, right? Well, this movie, it lets you get to be a fly on the wall in one of the most important pieces of American history, and really the history of the world and all freedom everywhere. 
And I don't mean to say that as an arrogant American. I, I mean, looking at it objectively, if there was no Declaration of Independence, there could arguably be no modern day freedom. Now, on the other side of that, you could say, well, somebody would have done it later on, maybe. And maybe that's true. Uh, you won't know. However, the point... It's not about when somebody could have done it. It's the point is somebody did do did. it. Did, exactly. Like, we, we, don't, we don't talk about Greece and their democracy because we're all Greek. We don't talk about Rome and their roads because we're all Roman. Like, there are this certain points in history where people do things that nobody would have ever imagined them capable of doing. Yeah. And they did them anyways because they knew for one reason or another it had to be done. And yeah, the, to me, the, the, I, I do. I really feel like I failed not watching this uh, this video. Or hey, this, uh, just make it up and... and, and it and sounds like it matters. It does. And you know what? Just just make up for it by recording a reaction to post on your Instagram and share it with us. And, and I think that'll that'll suffice. Because, I, I mean, once you get to that ending, that's you're probably going to want to watch this again next year. Because it's that <laughs> good. It's it's just... it's You just you get through... The, like I I'll said... I'll find the musical to attend next year. I definitely this... want to do a live freeze. I want to watch it live. I, I don't care if it's... I mean, I hope the production value is good. But I, I absolutely... I, I would, I, you know what? You could even just take the cast of Hamilton and give them this script, and I think they could pull it off, and and that would be a, a different different spin on it altogether. But I think you'd still get the, the, the only thing that you have to do perfectly is the ending. That's it. The ending's got to have that same feel. See, I was kind of hoping you would assign John to to redo the musical as a one man show for the channel. <laughs> Yeah, watch oh, dude, our... I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. The worst then we'll end up with negative 49 subscribers. YouTube will be like, I'll you owe us new subscribers most... for channels. Bro, here, here's how we do it even better. We bring in Chris. I karaoke the musical. Live karaoke the musical. Uh, I mean, you have to watch it first, but... And that oh no i think it would be even funnier for that as my watch like i'd be like oh these words actually resonate mid line oh that's a that's a great line uh, yeah actually if many of you don't know but in 1672 there was a thing that happened and many of you don't know this but in 1483 there was another thing that happened and just start getting into the historical accuracies of each issue while singing about them in live well i mean i think that'd be hilarious the historical accuracy of 1776, it's a super compressed version of the timeline, right? Um, An abridged true. version, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it It would be kind of cool if all of this happened in, like, the process of two weeks, right? Or, like, a, uh, you know, or an episode of uh, 24. Like, uh, personally, I would watch the hell out of a version of... Uh, you know, the American War of Independence done as an episode of 24. I think that would be the most amazing thing ever. I don't know exactly how you do the clock ticking, though. I suppose it'd have to be like a wall clock. Going Someone's got a quill and they're just adding numbers and taking the... Yeah, okay, there we go. Even, yeah, yeah. even worse, dude, all you see is somebody write out star tick, star talk, star tick. Oh, yeah, even better. <laughs> But yes, John, you definitely are going to, yeah, you're going to love it. And anybody else watching this broadcast who's unsure about watching 1776, like I said, it is worth watching at least once. It is, And that's what I love about it. I love that it feels like it's a product of the 50s and 60s. 
I love that they use the older film grain to set a tone because it's 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 a classical musical. And that's what I think was the best way to tell the story was to keep it in that style instead of trying to 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 do a modern take. You know, like well, I do think that you could do something in the style of Hamilton for this. You still have to have the original to go along with it. I mean, I think both versions could be good. It's just, like I said, the only thing that I would be stiff on is you've got to capture the feel of that ending. That's it. As long as that ending feels as intense and as just, it's it's now settling in that this was, this was it. That they were committed. Their lives were formally signed away. God, you just don't get that. You just don't get that in the Patriot. You don't get that really in any movie, honestly. And and maybe it's because of the historical implication of it that really sells it. But that ending is is uh, ah, it's one of the best in any story I've ever seen. So, any final thoughts, closing thoughts as we uh, as we get ready to, to finish our broadcast, our our July Fourth special done on July third. Uh, volume warning. Yep, make sure you leave your pets outside so they can run away. Uh, no. You know what? We haven't actually you dropped an F-bomb this episode. I thought so we I'm did. finally going... That's whatever. What? Okay, so I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for my one... The one time I'm going to do it on this channel. America. Fuck yeah. Yep. And that is another uh, silly pro-America movie. Team America! That, uh... <laughs> I personally enjoy, but I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Oh, Definitely Matt not a movie Damon! <laughs> Matt Damon! Oh, Matt Damon! Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't make any references to that movie without getting this channel pulled. So, yeah, but it was an amazing friggin' movie. Yeah, that is that is some of Trey Parker and Matt Stone's best work, and and I really love the the art in that film. But definitely not a movie for grandma. I will tell you that. Well, depending on your grandma, not my grandma. Um, but uh, yes. Um, so thank you once again to all our viewers who are uh, watching and and maybe listening on the replay. Um, we we do appreciate any and all support. Please, if you do like what we do here, uh, please send us a like and a subscribe. We are going to start promoting our Patreon a little bit more, but we're still figuring out. Um, we're going to try something a little more unique for our membership system that uh, that we don't think anyone else is doing, and we're not going to say what that is right now. Um, so if you do uh, feel the need to support us or financially, we're, we're, we're working to get that that uh, opportunity, and we, of course, could use it as we do want to grow and we want to bring quality content. Otherwise, uh, you can catch us on our regular Tuesday show where we're going to talk about the latest episode of Strange New Worlds. The Orville and the Old Man. And uh, check us out as well on Saturdays. John and I are trying to do more game streams, and we do want to start adding more streaming content. And so any suggestions are welcome to help us grow. My name's Petey York with the Ryder Brothers. And Corian, Thanks for watching. Corian hosts his solo show on Sunday. That is true.